Because fear is a powerful thing. The things that we fear also can be very real. Uh, I do think there's things in the world we need to fear because it keeps us from doing certain things. But Jesus also tells us that in this world, we will face trouble. And we will have things to fear. But he will never allow us to be alone in this fear. And that's what we got to remember. In fact, we finished up with the scripture in Psalms that says, Be still and know that I am God. Two commands. Be still and know that he is God. Even in the situation we find ourselves in today, we need to understand God is still in control. Yeah, the world, I think, is being fearful, and I think they're overreacting in some ways, but we still can know God is in control. And the last thing we, we said was, do you trust him? That Jesus is asking us, do you trust me enough to see you through this? Do you trust me enough not to fear the things that we don't need to worry about? So we want to continue this idea today and talk about this who are we listening to? And we're going to get an idea this morning. So Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Let me read that for us. It says this. It says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets, and at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to, he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Then he goes on and talks about angels and a lot of different things. Now, I don't know about you, but over the years, I have learned, and I, need to be, I have to kind of watch who I trust. I don't know if you're in that same boat, but there's just some people, some things you trust, some things you don't trust. I've even learned the things that people that I don't trust could even be experts. They could be doctors. They can be scientists. They can be some of the greatest minds of the world because a lot of times people that have all this education and all the knowledge have a warped idea of what really is going on. They don't mean to a lot of times, but they give you this idea that's not completely right, and then we believe it because they're experts, or we believe something else that they've already said. So we have to be careful. So the question comes down to this. Who can I listen to that I can always trust? I'm going to have Paula throw up a picture of where I get my knowledge and truth. The National Enquirer and the Boston Globe. It's just two papers. I'm lying, okay? okay? I don't get my truth from there. I don't take my truth from the news. I don't stand in line at the grocery store and pick up a National Enquirer and go, Oh, guess I better believe that. Because everything that they write, even in the media today, they super sensualize everything going on. And they warp the idea of what truth is. We've seen these magazines. We listen to the news. We do all these things. And we begin to wonder, who can we listen to and who can we trust? In fact, there are many resources that I've got to be careful about. I even read that Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, don't believe everything you read on the Internet. I'm glad you got that. Okay? 
over my lifetime, I have found I can't believe everything a politician tells me or even what a salesman tells me. But oddly enough, over the years, I've learned even to question things experts tell me, like I said. We have to take what people tell us with what God's Word has to stay. But if that's true, and all those things that I can't trust, and all those things I don't want to trust, who can I trust? Who can I listen to? Well, our text told us. Hebrews actually tells us who we can trust. You see, I can trust Jesus, and it says, I should listen to Him. Hebrews 1, 2 says, In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son. God has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. In Matthew 17, verses 2 through 8, in the Gospels, we're told that one time Jesus took Peter and James and John up to a mountain where he said this. It says, He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said this, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Catch what it says. Listen to him. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Did you catch it? Listen to him. My question this morning is, is who are we listening to? Who are you listening to in the things that we fear? Who are we listening to in the trouble that we're facing or the path that we're walking right now is not the path that we want to be on because there's things happening in life. There's things going on with our families and we're not real sure how it's going to happen. Who are we listening to? John 1.17 says this, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. You see, Jesus is the one we should look to. He's the one that we should listen to because he is the truth of God. He's the truth of God. He gives us nothing but the truth. At one point, Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the what? And the truth and the life. So, please understand this. If I want truth in my life, if we want truth in our life, we've got to start with Jesus. Pretty simple, isn't it? pretty simplistic when we really think about it something probably we already do something we already have but so many times when we think about it and we want to realize that if we want real truth in our lives and if we don't have jesus we don't have the true truth we don't have real truth we don't have truth that we can trust but what truth can jesus give us that's superior to anything else in the world there's nothing because Jesus gives us the truth. And he's not going to lie to us. He's not going to give us information we don't need. You see, I thought about this. And I discovered that in this text that we've read today, that today's truth, that in this world that we have, it can't give us the truth and we don't understand what the world is going through. We don't understand why it's happening. 
But I'm going to tell you right now that I truly believe one of the reasons the world is going through what it's going through is that they don't have Jesus. They don't have the truth of Jesus. So it creates chaos. It creates all the things that we're seeing in the world today. One of the truths I want you to see is this, that Jesus is trying to tell us, and what Hebrews is explaining to us is this, is that Jesus shows us who God really is. And that's the truth we need to understand. Verse 3 of Hebrews 1 says this, says Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The exact imprint. He is the radiance of the glory of God. You see, in essence... What it's trying to tell us is this. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen God because Jesus is God. In fact, that is the core of who we are. That is the core of who we are as believers and as Christians and as we gather together. You can't accept the fact, if you can't accept the fact that Jesus is God, it's going to make it hard for us to be Christian. It's going to be hard for us to be believers. Because if we can't accept the fact that Jesus is God, then what other truths can we believe? That's what Jesus said when he declared this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Remember what comes after that? No one comes to the Father except through him. That we don't get to God except we come through Jesus. Now I want you to understand the rest of the world doesn't agree with this. They don't agree that we can have just one God, one creator, because the world looks for other gods, other ways, other means to get to heaven. They want to have this wide road. They want to have all these opportunities, all these choices, but that's not the truth, is it? Why is it not the truth? Because God's word tells us that Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. That's the only way, folks. That's the only way it's going to happen. And too often... The world views us with contempt, and they mock the very idea that Jesus is the only way to God. So that creates a little confusion, that creates a little anxiety, that creates a little anger, that creates all these frustrations and maybe fear. And that's what causes us to start to think about what truth really is or what it's not, and we may start listening to other people. You see... If you could see God, then you know that he, what he is like. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In John 14, 9 and John 1, 14, he says, God became flesh and dwelt among us. That the very God that we're talking about became flesh through Jesus and dwelt among us, walked among us. You see, if you want to see what God is like, look at Jesus. And I love what it's telling us. Everything Jesus did in the Gospels were the works of God. Everything Jesus did, the miracles, the teachings, even the things when he just gathered people around and taught them and did all the things that he did, all those things that he did were the works of God. Everything Jesus said were the words of God. How can I say that? Because they're one. God came through Jesus. If you've seen Jesus, and if you've heard Jesus, you've seen and heard God. Every act of mercy, every act of kindness and love that Jesus showed, that was God in the flesh, showing how much God cares for us, how much God cares for you individually, 
the things that you're going through, the things that you're facing, the things that we don't like, maybe even the things that we fear, it's proving to us that God cares for us so much that he's willing to do these things. So when you look at Jesus and you listen to Jesus, again, you've seen and heard God. Now, I'm going to tell you, all the other world's religions will tell you what they think God is like. They're going to give you these different examples. They're going to give you these different pictures. But in Jesus, it says God became flesh so that we could actually see what God was like. So that's the very first truth that I want you to see. He showed us what God was like through his life. The second truth is this. Jesus showed us what we are like. Okay? He showed us who God is like, but he also is showing us what we are like. I saw one of those memes on the internet recently that said this. It says, everyone makes mistakes in life, but that doesn't mean uh, they have to pay for them the rest of their life. It says, sometimes good people make bad choices. It doesn't mean they're bad. It means they're human. Okay? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I first hear that, I first heard that, I that's cool. Can I tell you something? That's not truth. That's not truth. That's not what God says. I understand what the meme was trying to say. But when I reread it, red flags went all over the place. Because what it's essentially saying is this. It says there are good people and there are bad people. Bad people do bad things because that's what they're good at, being bad. But good people do good things because that's what they're good at, being good. See what they're saying? Occasionally, good people do bad stuff, but that doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means they made a mistake. Okay? That's not how it works. I mean, let's just be honest. Let's be frank. Let me give you the truth. That's not how it works. Romans 3 says what? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? That's a mistake. That's doing bad things. And he says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means, okay, here's truth. You've sinned. I've sinned. Elders have sinned. Deacons have sinned. We all have sinned. And I would dare say we all have sin in our lives. In some way, shape, or form. In our text, we're told, after making purification for sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high in verse 3. You see, Jesus came to purify us from our sins, to purify all of us, and catch this, of all our sins. Every single one of them. That's why Jesus came to earth. He spent all his time with a particular kind of people. Remember who they were? Who did Jesus want to spend time with? Sinners. Absolutely, Dave. Wanted to spend time with sinners. Remember who they were? The bad people, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. That's who Jesus wanted to spend time to. Why? Because Luke 19, 10 says, He came to seek and to save what was lost. That's us. That's the world in which we live. And that's a repeated theme through Scripture. We all have been and seen bad people. Let's catch that. We all have been bad people. We all see bad people. Ephesians 2, 3 says this. We all once lived in the passions of the flesh, 
carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We all once were this way. But you see, we have a hope. We have a difference because we have Jesus Christ. Warren Wiersbe says this, Many people are controlled by past sins, past regrets, and past failures. And someone else said this, The world drinks to forget. The Christian drinks to remember. Okay, let's clarify. The world drinks to forget. When we can't get rid of the sin, when we can't get rid of the regret, when we can't get rid of the fear, so many people turn to other things besides Jesus Christ. They turn to alcohol. They turn to sex. They turn to all these other things that can destroy who we are. But we as Christians, we drink to remember when we gather around the communion table every Sunday morning and we partake of the bread and we partake of the cup, we remember and we drink because of what God has done for us. When he sent his son to die for us, to shed his blood for us, for what? For the forgiveness of our sins. We take that piece of bread and we take that cup and we drink it and we remember what he did for us. And that gives us that hope. But we have to understand also this world in which we live, they don't have that advantage. Again, when the world struggles with all the things that we give to Jesus, they suffer from guilt, shame, self-hatred, and that's when they turn to all these things. They turn to anything to avoid being alone with the badness they feel inside, and that's just a lot of it. It's just the badness they feel, but they haven't met Jesus yet. Someone once wrote a poem about that. He says this, or she says this. I don't know who wrote it. Yeah, I do. It was a female, Louisa Fletcher. Says, I wish that there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again, where all our mistakes and all our heartaches and all of our poor selfish grief could be dropped off like a shabby old coat at the door and never be put on again. That the world wants to live in a place called the land of beginning again. You see, there are many who desire a place called the land of beginning again. I truly believe we live in a world full of people that if they could just start over, they would. If they could look back on their life and make the changes then to what they know now, that they would. And I believe they want to live in this land, but we don't have to, do we? We as believers, we as Christians don't have to because we already live there. We already live in the land beginning again. Again, when Jesus died on the cross, he made it so that we live in this land of beginning again. And that's the beauty of the truth about what Jesus tells us about ourselves. That when we voluntarily die to sin, you catch that? Voluntarily die to sin. We say to ourselves, I'm not going to do that again. I'm putting that sin behind me. I'm giving that sin to Jesus. I'm going to come. I'm going to take of the bread. And I'm going to drink the juice. And I'm going to remember what Jesus did for me, that he forgave me of that sin. And I'm going to walk away from it. That's the land of beginning again. He revealed that in that action that you and I were so viable to God. When he did that, he told us that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son. Remember that? That whosoever believes in him will not, should not perish, but will what? Will have everlasting life. That's who God is telling us we need to remember who we are. You see, when we decide to become Christians, we have decided to die to our sins. And what do we do with dead things? 
And if we've died to those sins, what do we do with dead things? We bury them, don't we? Now, we just don't take them out in the backyard and put a little dirt over them, do we? We bury them deep. We put a lot of dirt over them because we don't want it to get out, especially the sins. When we bury those sins, we do it for good. You see, Jesus came to die, to be buried, to rise from the grave, to remove all those sins, to remove that shame and that guilt, and to offer us this land of beginning again. And that's what baptism is all about when we get to do that, when we decide to do that. Romans 6, 4 and 5 says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. When we live in this land of beginning again, when we decide to become Christians and we take Christ for what he's given to us and we rise and walk that new life, we have Jesus in it. We decide to die to those sins and we bury them and we bury them completely. You see, baptism... And you've heard me explain this before. We take you into baptistry. It has water in it. And you hold your breath, symbolizing death. We take you back underwater, symbolizing burial in that grave. But we don't keep you there, do we? Actually, there's laws against that. Okay? But we bring you back up. And you take that breath. And you have that new life. The person has died to their sins and been buried with Christ in that water. We rise up again. That's our promise from God. So my question this morning is this. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? We have a choice. We can listen to the world. We can listen to everything going on in the world. We can listen to the news. We can listen to the politicians. We can listen to the salesmen. We can listen to all those things. But folks, I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt, they're not going to tell you the truth all the time. Okay? There's only one person that's going to tell you the truth, and that is Jesus Christ.